I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. The Hopper Podcast is not professional advice, just two guys spitballing. So do your own research. So I'm here with Raleigh Keegan on the Hopper Podcast. Um, Raleigh, tell me. Oh Tell me, <laughs> what are you about to say? I want to hear about the craziest thing that's happened at one of your shows. Anyone ever um, been removed from a show? Yes. For losing their mind? Yes. Yeah. There was a guy in North Dakota, speaking of North Dakota, not the same place, a the, different... The one guy? Nope, no, 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 this, okay. this was actually a good show. <laughs> yeah, okay. There was a, a number <laughs> yeah. of people there. And this guy was just like, he kind of had this like, it was almost like he was doing the limbo, walking uh-huh. around. He was uh-huh. a little bit intoxicated okay okay and he's kind of like kind of limboing around and yeah and he uh he bumped into another guy who hit him okay punched him okay punched him uh-huh um and, and it, then another another story was at the university of cincinnati i played and and one of their it was at a kind of a, a bar at the university of cincinnati and uh one of their offensive linemen showed up and some this is you know i don't some guy, some normal size guy. This guy was like six eight, uh-huh. three twenty. Yeah, big old boy. Right. Some guy, some guy, <laughs> bumps into this guy. Uh-huh. He turns around and just absolutely. I don't know. Like there was. It. It didn't feel like there was any time between him getting hit right. and him hitting the floor. It was the quickest I've ever seen the someone. Quickest drop. And then and then the big guy, the six foot eight guy, goes back to dancing. No <laughs> just way. Just, away. Just and this guy him. is just on the floor. Unconscious. And he just goes back to dance. He just socks this guy and just for bumping into him. Just for bumping into him. Well you know, don't bump into that guy. Yeah. That's what I that's what you learn. He he knew that he was he, okay. He was a big no boy. no hospital was called, but it was kind of that was that was a little sketch. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a lawsuit. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a law. <laughs> I don't know what happened with that. I just yeah. was the musician. <laughs> hmm. Now you um, you play with different people. Yeah. Who has been? Uh, who have you played with that you thought uh, you or you were most impressed with musically or lyrically or anything? Hmm. I was really impressed by this band called brothers Osborne that I opened for a number of times. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got, they've had a number of number one hits. Um, but they, you know, in the country music industry, you, there's a lot of good songwriters. I do feel like there's a lot of people who are very successful that are mediocrely talented, mm-hmm. but with brothers Osborne, they, they're the real deal. Yeah. Like their band can play, they have soul, like they get it. They Right. Um and they were really, really impressive. I was really inspired by their their live show. And then um let's see, who else? Uh Eric, I've opened for Eric Church and he put on one of the best shows I've ever seen. Hmm. But then the 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 people that inspire me really are the people that no one know about. And are just unbelievably good, and I and I, it's hard for me because I I yeah. get a little cynical because it's like yeah they're so good and no one right because there's a lot of people like that yeah real talent haven't real haven't talent. really gotten their break yeah. and, and I know a number of people like that and um it's just 
it really, really is a hard business. And I think there, because there are success stories and now there's the internet and now there's social media that encourages people who maybe don't have that. I mean, (laughs) that encourages people who maybe don't have that much talent to move to Nashville. I think the figure is like, there's 8,000 people a month that moved to Nashville to make it in music. Hmm. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. 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 I wonder how many people moved to LA trying to make it in movies and then New York. And then now there's other places that, you know, they're Atlanta, Nashville, uh, Chicago, Austin, mm -hmm. Chicago. Yeah. The, the entertainment industry is pretty interesting. Um, there is not a science at all, I think, to make it. Mm-hmm. I've, tr- I've tried to figure it out, <laughs> obviously. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think it, for me, I, I think everything else is a trick. And to be happy, you said this earlier, but... <clears throat> To be happy, you need relationships, community, the Lord. I think the other thing too is just um, there. There's a there's some research about small steps towards a large goal. Yeah, that, something you care about that right. increases dopamine or is it mm-hmm. serotonin? One of the, one of those. Yeah, yeah that that it, it's not actually reaching the goal. It's the reaching a small movement right. towards that goal that mm-hmm. increases your overall actual yeah. happiness. Right. By the way, when I'm making like a list of things to do, which I have to do, you know, regularly mm-hmm. to get stuff done, um, I mean, I'm like a, my own boss in a way, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I've got to set my own schedule and I've got to get stuff done. I make a list and if there's something daunting that I really, really don't want to do, uh, which is often, right? Maybe yeah. some house project or something. Yeah. I will, uh, I will start the list with uh, a very simple step like gather the tools for this job. Um, gather the supplies for this job might be the, you know, like go to the store and get what you need from the store. What might be the next step? Yep. And then so I just break it down into all these tiny little. Uh, and so just doing that smaller task, uh, I make progress and I get closer to that big nasty goal that I don't even want to start. It's so interesting <clears throat> how a little step like that opens up the world. Yeah. It's so, I, it, that is just so odd. It is. It's odd. It's just like it, it, even just a little task in the morning, just a little yeah. one. If you can, if you can just with your will make, yeah. if you can do that one little thing, whatever it is. Yeah, the uh, world is your o- oyster. After I can't that. remember what if it was Toyota or Honda or some one of the CEOs in Japan said that he he cleans his toilet every morning. That's a secret to his success. He gets up and cleans his toilet. Yeah, and like just do some minor task. Uh, you know that the there's that Navy Seal on make your bed. Make your bed, right? Um, do something or a series of of quick, easy things that get the ball rolling, and you feel much more ready to be productive. If you uh, you get out of bed and you gotta you gotta eat the live frog you know, first thing in the morning, uh, you can get it out of the way, but if you can't get started, you got to break it down into some really small steps and do something you can do. Uh, and in some ways like, you know, I'll come in here and make myself a, a matcha, uh, tea and I might, while it's brewing, I might, you don't do coffee. I don't. Yeah. That's cause you're yeah. a, a bad person, but I keep guess, going. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I might clean up a few things or pick up or like, you know, uh, or sit down and make my list of things to do or something where I feel like, okay, I'm accomplishing something while I'm, I'm getting my tea brewed. 
And uh, it's true. You know, and I take a prayer walk and the days that I do that versus the days that I don't, hmm. uh, they're very different days. Yeah. For yeah. me, it's wake, waking up whenever um, I typically wake up and before I'm checking social media or anything, if I can just keep it on do not disturb for mm-hmm. a little longer yeah, and just read a little bit of scripture mm-hmm. and pray, my whole life is different. Yeah. Um, yep. It's yeah. strange how that... I will, I will pick up my phone and I'll play um, a series of, of games that are, that are um, mind puzzles. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but I won't like... Wordle? Kidding. I do. I do. I'll, I used I'll to do, do Wordle. Wordle. I got bored mm-hmm. of it. I... Yeah. Because I'll, I'll have several of them that I'll just roll through them rather quickly. Yeah. And Wordle is one. And, uh, you know, it might some, um, there's a word scramble, you know, where you got to make words from the, the letters that are there. Things that, that aren't uh, super difficult, but do make you think. And uh, some days are more challenging than others, but I'll do like a series of those. And, uh, but I won't, it's, I'm not going to be um, starting my, emailing and my texting and my, you know, and there, there might be texts sitting there waiting for me, but I'm not even going to respond to them till, you know, nine o'clock or something. And, um, uh, sometimes I do, but it's just better. Yeah. yeah. I, I, um, when I was at, you know, I struggled with anxiety, you know, over the years. And when I was at my peak of anxiety, I would, I would do all those things, but in an unhealthy way, first thing in the morning until I would go to sleep was all work, like immediate. And, um, that, you know, hmm. you can, anxiety can make it work really hard, but it's also, it's a, it's a it's nasty a slave master. It's master. a slave yeah. master. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. My anxiety uh, got so bad that all I could do was pace. I couldn't like think to do work or, you hmm. know, I, I could pace um, and pray. And then when it got better, I was able to do like yard work. And I found out that if I used a more dangerous tool, like a chainsaw or hedge trimmers, um, I, it was better for the anxiety because I had to focus. Oh, you had to pay attention. You know, using a chainsaw, you need to pay attention. Right. And, um, it helped, it helped distract me Hmm. and, 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 you know, just being out in the sun and the fresh air. And and then again, just accomplishing something. I, I cut up this log today. Right. I got it cut up and, uh, it, it was just on the road to, to healing from, you know, from the, a big anxious incident where it started with, with just pacing. Um, yeah. Had you always like throughout your life, had you always had episodes like that? You know, I, I never really realized that I was an anxious person until I was, you know, more recently. And then I would have, I was like, oh yeah, I have had these, these episodes and it's always been around something that was bad, you know, or something scary, legitimately so. But then it, it, it was more anxiety than was warranted or was normal. And so I think I've seen that pattern, um, throughout my life. And then as I, you know, I'm 50 years old now. And I think, uh, my friend Nace is right in saying that, that, uh, as you get into your later decades, um, you're, you're really getting closer to death. It's part of dying. It's part of like preparing you, hmm. um, that you're, you just don't have the same, uh, neuroplasticity. You're not as elastic a person. You're not as tolerant. And, you know, people, when they get older, they get cranky, um, or they, they start to lose their mind or, you know, and, and I saw a lot to look forward to here, but, um, <laughs> part of that I think is just that, that, um, 
you're not as able to cope with it or you've gotten tired of it over the years or uh, also I had COVID a number of times and how many times three times yeah and so I, I think all, I had it the twice. Alpha Delta and uh, Omicron I had all three and um, the Alpha was the worst I mean the other two were not near as bad um, I had one bad one yeah yeah it, it was I mean that was back in 2020 before a vaccine before we knew what it was um, I, it was like March and it, right. I, we thought it ha- wasn't here yet. It was, yeah. And we were, but we were the whole family, all my friends we were sick as dogs. So what's strange is this is, this is weird, but, uh, Shelby and we, at the time we were building our house. So we were living with Shelby's parents Yeah, and they, all three of them got really, really, really sick mm-hmm. in like February of 2020. And I didn't, <laughs> I yeah. don't, uh, and, and yeah. That's because you're a good person. God has rewarded me. <laughs> He's rewarded you for all your righteousness. Yeah, for over, all my over the all years, my, your years and years, of, my years, of holy living, my years of, of righteousness. Yeah, um, it just means that he loved them. None more. seeks God except Robert. And he, <laughs> <laughs> he was he was sanctifying them because he loves them more. Oh gosh, <laughs> man, what a crazy time that was. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I think that could have something. There was some research about anxiety levels and COVID and um, COVID did a lot of weird things to, to a lot of people. Um, yeah. There's a guy at our church, Dean, who mm-hmm. had it really, really, really bad. Yeah. And he went to like the hospital and was in the hospital for a long time. And he still has um, lung kind of some kind of breathing, issue. you know, just issues with it. Yeah. And it, it, what a strange. Yeah. yeah. Lab made. What were they trying to do in that lab? You know, like what? Great what, question. What was the research going Great on? Great question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an expert. But right. I don't know. It seems like we could have left this one alone. You know, <laughs> it seems like so, just, maybe just don't do that. Yeah. Don't concoct some crazy germ. Um, yeah. But so your anxiety's gotten a lot better. You, you had it more in your youth. It ha- It's gotten, it has gotten better. Um, it was probably at its peak. I, I think I had, OC, I, I do have, you know, I was diagnosed with OCD, but I, it was bad when I was, when I was probably in ninth grade, it kind of peaked its head. Mm-hmm. And then strangely it went away. I don't know if just life circumstances, I was less anxious. So it wasn't peaking its head mm-hmm. up when I was like 11th grade, 12th grade. And then yeah. in college I became a Christian when I was 20, 21, you know, around there. And it didn't, come back until I was about to graduate college. So I was 22 and it just, and it, and it, it attacked, I didn't know it was OCD at the time. I had no idea. Um, I just thought something was wrong with me, but it attacked me. Um, what's called religious scrupulosity. And it's mm-hmm. basically a, you have anxiety that you're not a real Christian and you're constantly reassuring yourself. Yeah that you are trying to reassure yourself that you are. Right. And the more you do it, the more it triggers it. It's a vicious cycle. Right. Um, but the person, you know, as far as brain function goes, the person who has the OCD, whatever their fear is. So for me, it was my fear about my faith. It is as real to them as a normal person standing in front of a train and a train's coming at them. Yeah. It, that it's the same neurological function right right so it was just it just killed me yeah. it just crushed me until i was about i don't know 
26. It, wow. it was like four years. And even like some of the, the guy who married us, his name's Will Witherington. He's a pastor at um, Tate's Creek in Lexington. He, oh, I love that guy, mm-hmm. man. He, he's a great guy. Um, and super, super wild. He just, it was like three years later after he had first found out this was happening to me. Mm. And I just remember he was like, how you been doing with all that stuff? And I was like, it's still the same. Yeah. Awful. It was three (laughs) years. And I was like, it's still the same. He's like, really? You know? And I just remember him looking at me and saying, really? And I just realized, man, this is just, I just, yeah, I did. I didn't have an answer at the time. And, and a lot of pastors don't understand I'm in a group on Facebook called anxiety. I think it's anxiety disorders for Christians or something, something like that. I didn't know that existed. And there are thousands of people in that group who basically are, it's, who are basically saying that they have religious OCD and are struggling with assurance of salvation. And I think, um, it's not common enough for most pastors to be trained in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's hard to distinguish between like bad theology and if someone has chemical, chemical imbalance, right? Cause some of the people in the group that are, are posting things that are like, do I need to be baptized again? And, and, and so there's just some bad theology sure. and then there's some people who truly have like this brain malfunction, right? But the OCD convinces you that it's not your brain malfunction. It, mm. it convinces you that you have a spiritual problem. Mm-hmm. It's very good at that. Yeah. Um, so that was a long journey and I was helped the the Lord showed up in some, cr- in, in some supernatural ways that and I'm not a very kind of, charismatic mm-hmm. kind of dude. Um, but he showed up in some crazy ways, supernatural ways throughout that process where I was just begging him. I had no other choice for him, but he needed to show up. Yeah. He did that. And, um, through some of those things and then, um, learning about Paul Bunyan, who many of you have heard of probably Pilgrim's Progress. And, um, he is the I think they say that he's the oldest documented case of religious scrupulosity, OCD. Yeah. Um, and that was a great help to me. If, if, even if you read Pilgrim's Progress, it's like he is just back and forth. Like right. just his mind or, or grace abounding to the chief of sinners, the Paul Bunyan book. He is just the most like absolutely sure black and white to woe is me. Right. I've ever, I mean, it's right. It is the best. It really helps people understand. Right. But yeah, no, I think like it got better for me um, going to church, understanding the gospel more. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately what's interesting about Paul Bunyan is the end cure for him was deeper grace. Yeah. It, it actually fixed his brain malfunction. Yeah. He didn't have, in the, back in the day, yeah. there's no medicine. Yeah. There's no psych, there's no psychology. I don't think, I mean, it, not, it, not very good limited, yeah. not good and not good counseling, not mm-hmm. modern medicine or anything like that. What he had was, um, what cured him was a radical grace. Mm-hmm. That was like, even the person with OCD has to face those fears and say, okay, there are people with OCD that struggle with like, um, murderous thoughts, for example, right? right. Maybe they have a thought that they want to, th- th- there's tons of people with crazy thoughts that 
they cycle over and over. But the cure for those is the gospel, a deeper uh-huh. grace that even in those, right, <clears throat> um, Christ is there. You know, I, I've experienced that, um, you know, before when I was having anxious problems, um, I didn't know that, that it was uh, really an issue. You know, people in my generation didn't talk a lot about being depressed or anxious or whatever, you know. Um, and I'm sure that there were people who were depressed, but I didn't really know any. You know, now they don't talk about it. Yeah. But now it's like, it's very commonplace. Um, there are lots of kids, uh, today who have anxiety and depression at at an unprecedented level. It's just increased in, you know, over the generations. And so uh, as I've learned that, oh yeah, I've, I have been anxious at times, uh, more than I needed to be. Um, but before I, I actually sought any sort of medical help, um, it was, it was lots of time in prayer and what I'm going to call um, deep surrender, hmm. where you're just, you're analyzing what it is that you're believing and what you're thinking and trying to bring it into the truth. Um, and I don't think people are good at that these days at all. I don't think that people understand that there really is spiritual help for you if you can do that deep work. Um, and it takes time. And it, uh, I'm not saying that I'm opposed to medicine. I, I, I was fine taking medicine and I think it's a really nice help. If my anxiety starts to flare, I can take a pill and it starts to knock it down. And then I can start to process mentally without that, that physiological disaster happening. Hmm. Right. But there's still that spiritual work to be done. What are you believing right now? Like what are, are you trying to run the universe? Hmm. Do you you trust that God is sovereign? Do you trust that he's got a storyline for you that involves suffering, but also really good things? And, and, and your days are numbered. And when it's your time, it's your time. Can you really trust that? Can you let go and say, is this my time or is it not my time? You know, and, and there, there, uh, I've, I've learned over the years, there are times when I I might have what's feeling like a panic attack that feels like a heart attack. Um, and I've never had to go to the hospital because I'm like, okay, now, okay, stop it. You know, this is what's happening. And I, I just say, okay, well, Lord, if this is, if I'm, if I'm having a heart attack and this is my time, um, then so be it. You're the Lord, you know? And there's just like, and that surrender has power, Yeah. right? It, it's like a, it's like, it's that whole Jesus saying, unless you, you, you're a seed that falls to the ground and dies, you can't have this new life. You can't become something greater than a seed. There'll just always be a seed, right? There's this, I've got to surrender. I've got to, I've got to yield. He's in charge. I can't do anything. I have no power. Right. And you know, as we are bad at that now. Yeah. We're terrible at it. There's no, the the spiritual disciplines have just faltered. That's been something recent for me though, is the, the idea of let it like not, you know, this is a possibly could be taken wrong, but not testing God, but letting God show up for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like in your specific struggles, mm-hmm. in your specific renouncing yeah. self, renouncing yourself, renouncing yeah. the self-reliance that we all have saying, I can't. Yeah. And then, and then saying, Lord, I turn to you. My right. eyes are on you and, and literally letting him show up for you. Right. And that is an interesting, um, not that it's an experiment. It's just like in my life, it seems like he, he shows up. 
Yeah. Same for me. I, I could tell stories about that, and I'm sure you could as well. But I think one of the key things that people are missing is the waiting piece. Where like, okay. It's, maybe it's not immediate. Yeah, it's or, not yeah. immediate. And yeah. so you're waiting and you're praying. Uh, I remember one time I had an anxious fit. I was about to lose an eyeball. Um, I had had an accident working on a job site. and um, When was it? How old were you? I was, oh gosh. I was in my late 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say late 20s. Yeah. And I was about to lose, I have one good eye and one bad eye. You get hit or something? And it got, it got, I was cutting a, a piece of wood and I didn't have my goggles on and, uh, which I wear, I, you know, I, I always do that, but I didn't have them on and it bounced off the saw and hit me in the eye. Mm. Um, and it happened. And then I heard the saw blade ring when, when it catches a piece of wood, like it'll ring It'll make a sound, you know, like a, like a bell. Um, I heard that after the thing had already hit me in the eye, in the open eye. It came like so fast. And I remember seeing like a, a, a close-up of this block of wood just before it hit me. That's, you know, that's the quickest bit of it I could see was just before it slapped me in the eye. Uh, and then I, I couldn't see at all because my left eye is, uh, this was my right eye and it's my good one. The left one's no good. It's, it's like peripheral vision. So your, I, Just your left eye? Yeah. So Do you have keratoconus? Well, I don't know what that word is, but okay. Uh, you know, it's anyways. Yeah. Keep no, no, we don't have to go into that. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, My well, eyes I are have all jacked up. So yeah, okay. Um, so uh, anyway, when I had my eyes, oh, both eyes open, um, I couldn't see because my right eye was was wrecked and blurry, hmm. and uh, and my left eye's like peripheral vision, and so I had to wait. Uh, I was alone at a job site, and I couldn't. Um, this was actually before I had a cell phone. And I had to wait until I could see enough to drive. And I drove straight to the eye doctor. And then he said, well, there's a good chance your retina is going to come off tonight. It's, it's swelling. And then you'll have to have a surgery and they might be able to fix it or they might not. Um, that night, uh, I was laying in bed trying to sleep and I could see the, the retina. I could see like the, the cloudy um, disturbances. And, and uh, this is what he told me. This is what it looked like. And I could see that, and I was looking up at the white ceiling, I could see this dark splotch. And I thought, oh my God, my retina's gonna come off. And I had like this mini panic attack, and I'd pass out. Because you I, panicked? Yeah. yeah. And then I would wake up, and I would, I would look at the ceiling and do that over and over. And so the, next, yeah, the next night, I said, I called the doctor and said, I need help. Um, and he got me some, you know, some anti-anxiety, yeah. but only a few. And so I was being very careful, you know, I broke them in half and I was just like, when I was really feeling bad about it, I would, I would try to knock it down a little bit. Um, and they're just really stingy with that medicine, you know, it has a law of diminishing returns and especially back then oh. they're just so stingy with it. And so I, uh, but what happened is I, I, I couldn't work. They told me that I was so busy. I had so much work to do and I was really feeling, I had loans out on houses that I was flipping I mean, I'd like interested. were you a pastor at this point? I was not. Okay, so were you not even in seminary? I had finished seminary okay. and I was in training, and gotcha, I gotcha. was working blue collar. I was working on houses, yeah, yeah. flipping houses, and I had loans and I had like interest accruing. I had to get stuff done, and I was I was sweating all that. Right, um, I had uh, three kids. Um, it was it was on. It was on, and I was told to lay down and rest for three to six weeks. <laughs> Oh my! God. I was like, I don't have three to six weeks. I gotta, you know, I gotta make money. You know, um, 
we're, we're not rich or something here. We're, you know, working on houses doesn't pay a, a ton of money. Um, when it's just you and you know, you're, you're yeah. really looking to do something else with your career, but this is, you're filling in. Yeah. Filling in. Yeah. And so that I sat on the couch and I started uh, reading and meditating on scripture. Like, unless the Lord builds a house, the labor, uh, the, the builder labors word, in vain. That has wrecked me over the years, yeah. but keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so like, and I memorized that one in other Psalms and, and passages of Isaiah. And I was just like meditating on them and praying and, and just, and I spent the whole day just like waiting and, and saying, you've got to help me. You've got to help me. And just memorizing those scriptures. And then, um, I had this, like this release where I was like, if I go blind, uh, the Lord is sovereign. Like I finally like accepted it. I finally was okay with it. I'm not sure I'm okay with it now, but I was okay with it at that moment. And, and then I finally, the anxiety just hmm. vented out and I, I hadn't slept in forever. And I finally, I fell asleep right there on the couch and had a nice little nap and I woke up and um, I'm not saying that the anxiety was gone forever, but it, that moment really broke its back. Mm. And people don't do that anymore. I don't think people do that well. Um, that waiting, that memorizing, that, that praying, that surrendering, the searching deep in what my, what my thoughts are. What am I really afraid of here? Uh, I don't want to be blind. Well, why not? You know, just like keep confronting it. Keep confronting it until you get down to a place where you can say, this is where I need the gospel. This yep. is where I need to apply God's grace. This is where I need to believe he's sovereign and good. Will I do that? Will I believe that? Um, what, yeah. What's interesting is that is completely true unless you're in the thick of mm -hmm. OCD. Right, right. And there are times when the anxiety was just, I, it was too high. And, and you can't do it. I couldn't sit down. Well, I, I used right. to spend, I used to listen to three to five hour long sermons a day. Mm. And I used to read my Bible for three hours a day. And, um, Robert Cunningham, the, oh, he was the pastor at Tate's Creek at the time. Um, I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this, but he, he said, Hey man, don't read your Bible for a month. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of profound advice. He didn't know that I had OCD, but it mm. was just kind of, he saw my pattern of, mm -hmm anxiety and, um, whatever, none of them knew that I had OCD, but you know, that was really good advice. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, God showing up for us and, and then us having to wait, we, especially now are so, we don't wait for anything. Right. I mean, if we want food, we door dash, right. You know, yeah. Unless you live in, the, in rural yeah. parts of even even in Scottsville, they have DoorDash now. Yeah, or if you if you're going to go old school and go to the grocery store and you don't like to wait in line, you, you can click go check out yourself. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or you don't want to talk to anybody, you <laughs> right. just check out yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, there was a, a time culture of expediency. Totally. Yeah. yeah there was a, there was a time when I was at the end of my rope, and um, and I was a personal trainer at the time, and I. And I was just, I think I was basically just kind of at the height of my fear and anxiety. And I had, I went into work and I was just having a horrible mental day. And I just said that, Lord, I need you. Like I need, I, I don't know if I can do this. Mm. And a guy walks into the gym that I've never seen before. And he walks straight up to me. He's probably in his mid fifties, early sixties. And he's, he just, he just walks straight up to me and he says, 
I need, I think I need to talk to you. And I was like, Oh really? Hmm. About what? And he's like, well, I don't know, but I'm a elder at this church and I feel like I'm, I need to talk. I have to talk to you. And so we go to lunch and he has struggled with religious OCD for like 30, 40 years. Yeah. And I'd never seen him before. Never been in the gym. I I worked there every day. Mm. Um, And he was a great help to me Mm. and just kind of helping me through. I mean, he didn't fix my issues, but he just kind of like was a dude that was like, you're not crazy. Right. Um, I was like, like I was at the end of my rope. Right. You know, I just couldn't go on. That's providential. That's, that's really neat. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and there was, there was just a, not, not all the time, but there was just a couple times that God really seemed to just show up. Yeah. You know, I remember, um, after college, I went to Texas in a church program and I lived with four guys from, from where I went to school and they were in a different ministry. I was serving in, in a ministry that was, um, it was just me working for a guy and they were in a, like a youth ministry with, with lots of people and stuff going on. And they went on some youth retreat and I was alone in the house. Um, and this was in a town that I'm new, you know, I moved to go to this church program and I was, uh, away from my family and away from my friends and away from my girlfriend who we, we kind of broke up for me to do this program and I didn't know if we we're going to get back together or not or what, you know, and I was just, uh, just kind of, you know, a young man free floating and, and seeking the Lord. But, uh, they left on a, on a Friday morning and I worked Friday by myself. I was painting, which I don't know if you've ever done. If you ever like sat in some closet and caulked shelves and painted shelves or something like all day long, it's, Mm-mm. it's pretty mind numbing. Okay. Mm. It's, it's pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then come Friday night, I, um, you know, I, I didn't have anything to do. I, I tried to watch a little television. I tried to study a little bit. You know, I, I was in the house by myself. I went to sleep. Um, I got up Saturday and I worked Saturday by myself in someone's house painting something. And, um, and by Saturday night, uh, I was a wreck. I was so lonely. Hmm. And I remember laying on the floor. And I just started to weep and I, I really felt, um, like what's the point of all this, you know, just so depressed, so lonely, so isolated. I don't know. Just, I, there'd been a lot of stuff that happened in my life and, and I was, uh, really kind of done. And at that moment there was an unexplained sensation, right. Of like God's presence, like a warming, like a, a loving, um, like he was almost like he was holding me in his lap, Mm -hmm. you know, like just like holding me and, and I just, I, I can't, I mean, people who aren't Christians don't know what I'm talking about, but I think most Christians have had some experience like that, right. Of God showing up and it's not every day and it's not, it's not that profound, um, you know, there, there are just a few of these throughout your life. Right. 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 But they're like these Ebenezer's or these monuments where, you know, uh, this you is can where call I, back yeah, to it. Yeah. I really needed him and he was there, you know, and he showed up and, uh, there was no reason for it. And, uh, and some, somebody might say, well, that was just your, your own brain. Okay. Uh, you know, whatever you want to say, but, um, I didn't have a reason for me to be 
consoling myself in that kind of way, right? It's just right. If anything, I'm cynical and would not right and would do the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So there's man. just a few of these like monuments over the course of your life where uh, God really does. He does show up. He does move. Yeah. And, and it's kind of when you need him the most. Yeah. Mine were the the only other time. There's been two. Two. There's three total. So the other one was was here in Bowling Green, mm-hmm. and um, there was a guy named Eric. Who knows if he he will ever listen to this? But I was living in Bowling Green. I was not married yet. We actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but Shelby, I lived in Bowling Green a little bit, like four or five months before we I moved to Lexington. And we got married. Mm-hmm. Shelby lived in Scottsville, but I lived in Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going through the th- absolute thick of it. Same thing. And yeah. um, I I was just. I think I remember weeping, just asking the Lord to help me. And, and it was, I was only, I was, I had five roommates in this yellow house in Bowling Green. Many, if anyone lives in Bowling Green, they probably know what the yellow house is. It's, it's near the square. <laughs> okay. It you was were a, there. It was a dump at the time. You carved your name in the wall. <laughs> Gosh. Um, and nobody was home. I was the only one. And I felt so lonely and so ang- anxious and so awful in this, in, in, and I, I was just weeping, asking the, for the Lord for help. Mm. And I, there was just literally, like out of nowhere, at like nine at night, like a knock on the door, knock, knock, knock. And this guy, hey man, it's Eric. And he goes to Christ Fellowship. Uh huh. And he just sat with me for hours hmm. and was just there for me. Yeah. And, and it's like just little things like that. Like, why did he knock on the door? Right. Okay. You can think, Hey, you, you folks out there, you can think coincidence, whatever. But before that happened, I'm sitting there weeping, asking the Lord to help me. Yeah. Yeah. And then knock, knock, knock. Right. You know what? Uh, I, we had twin boys, right. And one of them needs surgery and we had to drive two hours to the place where he was going to have surgery. We stayed at the Ronald McDonald house. Uh, he was, where's not, that? It, it's, uh, well, this was in Missouri. This oh, was okay. In, okay. Yeah. And so there, those are, that's just a charity that helps people who, whose kids need surgery. Right. And so we, uh, we stayed there and he was not allowed to eat for the surgery. So how at, old was he? He was two months old. Okay. So as a baby, guess what hungry babies do? Uh, they cry, cry. and he cried all night and we couldn't feed him. Um, that was hard enough. Oh, poor right? guy. Yeah. It was, <laughs> Um, but remember there's another whole baby, <laughs> right? Right. Right. <laughs> they were t- trying to tend to. So we don't sleep all night and we're trying to comfort him and help him cope with his hunger. Um, and then the next morning I have to hand him over to an anesthesiologist and, uh, just let him go. You know, it was really, really hard. Um, you have to trust. Yeah. Yeah. I had to trust, I had let this, this baby that, you know, we, we struggled with infertility and then I prayed for twins and that's a whole other story, you know, and God answered that prayer and I had these twins, but, but the, you know, our, our faith was being tested and I had to give one of these babies over to the doctors. And I went in the, in the room uh, where all the other people were waiting for their loved ones to come out of surgery. And I was an anxious mess. Uh, again, not really realizing that, that, uh, you know, of course anyone would be anxious in that. Yeah. But shocking. I, I was, yeah. <laughs> shocking. <laughs> So it's like, oh, I, was, I think I had pretty good reasons to be anxious over the, <laughs> over the years, you know. Um, yeah. But um, <laughs> the doctor, uh, he, he 
calls us into the post-surgical room and I'm just like, like waiting, like, give me a, give me a hint, give me a clue what happened. I mean, this, this is a pretty significant surgery, um, pretty scary stuff. And then just to have an, a two month old under anesthesia for that long, yeah. you know, uh, that's scary too. Yeah. Their little heart and lungs and stuff. It's, it's a strain on your body. Um, and uh, he says, uh, Oh, the surgery went, went okay. And I was like, Phew, you know, thank goodness. Um, and then we went to the, the intensive care where he was, um, all hooked up on wires and, you know, his, his uh, his, he had sutures and he was laying there and, and unconscious. And, uh, but all this time there's another baby <laughs> that we're trying to take care of, right? Another whole little person, <laughs> Like whoever's, whoever's out there and has like their parents and they, and they have one child. Okay. Mm, yeah. That's okay. Just, just imagine <laughs> just <laughs> just two, two. you have your one child and all this other stuff happening. Um, and so, uh, that by about the afternoon, again, I was, it was all day and then all night and then, uh, throughout the, the whole morning, the next day, and then all the anxiety and all the emotions. And then finally I see, okay, he's Okay. He's, he's like awake now. He's happy, but there's this whole other baby that is like, you know, slept and needs to be, you know, needs to be, you can't just leave him in a crib or something all day. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm gassed. I've got nothing. And, and Chip is the same. And the nurses are taking care of, of, uh, you know, our, the patient, but what about the, uh, his brother? Right. And this woman shows up. Just and a I, random yeah, well, woman. I literally was like, God, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm dying. Like I'm going to, I'm going to have a heart attack. I need to, I need to sleep. I don't know about you, but I, I need sleep. like after Same. that. Yeah. I'm a wreck. My body forces me into oh, it. Oh my word. Yeah. And this woman shows up and she's like, Hey, I, um, I'm so-and-so's mother. Well, it ends up it's, it's my wife's friend's husband's mother who I've never met, who just happened to live somewhere nearby who heard through the grapevine that we were there and she shows up and she says, can I be of any help? And I said, how are you with babies? <laughs> you know, like, can you take care of this other baby yes. so I can fall asleep on this floor? You know? <laughs> yeah. Cause like, yeah, at that point anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, um, and she was like, Oh yeah, I'd be happy to help. And I was like, dude, thank you. God. Yep. You know, thank you. God. That doesn't happen. Like, you know, all the time. No. It's just like at the direst moments. <laughs> right, right. He just, I don't know. And maybe, you know, maybe there's people out there that that didn't happen for them. That's possible. You know, and that's sad. But, you know, I. Yeah. He, Yeah. I mean, there's been times in my life that he also just says no. And I right. sit in the, I sit in the, right. in the sadness. Or the anger. Or the anger or the yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. But. Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. Let's keep the conversation going about things that matter and things that don't. You got corrections, comments, questions, queries, complaints, or a great story? Just look for the show notes in this episode of your podcasting app and find ways to join the conversation. Try to keep it clean, and if you do, we'll probably feature you in an upcoming episode. And hey, we're just two guys here. We're trying to build the Hopper community. But that was a really great episode, wasn't it? It was so good, Willie, that I put a dime sizer in my underwear. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> so I had a friend tell me once that he had pooped his underwear just a little bit. And he said, it was not a big deal. It was just a dime sizer. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. we're, we're like a dime sizer?
Is this a thing? Is this a term? I've a dime sizer. So you're uh, telling me this episode was so good that you put a dime sizer? You dropped a dime sizer in your underwear? I laughed so hard. There must be a dime sizer in there. Well, listen, if you dropped a dime sizer in your underwear, you need to tell somebody about this episode. Oh, boy. Tell them how they can listen to it. If you can't think of anyone who would enjoy this episode, you need to get out and make some more friends. Absolutely. Hey, let's let's summarize this episode, Dave. What's the main lesson that we should take away from it? You should never assume that people like you because it's likely that they really don't. <laughs> Especially you, Willie. Well, if you're going to be pooping in your pants, I, I think I understand why they don't like you. highly likely that people don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> 